0: Welcome to
1: today's episode of Ownership Matters, a podcast for homeowners and resident-owned communities brought to you by Rock USA. I'm Paul Bradley.
2: And I'm Mike Bullard.
1: Mike, we have two great guests today, another back-to-back set of interviews here with a couple of extraordinary co-op leaders. We're really excited to have both Carol and Stephen here today talking about the price fund. For listeners, this is a $225 million federal appropriation that passed in Congress in December of 2022. The bill was really ushered through by a couple of important U.S. senators, and those senators were directly in touch with a whole bunch of co-op leaders from Maine and Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, of course, and across the country, Washington State and Oregon, and many points in between. And it's so important that co-op leaders really do the work of reaching out and educating, as we'll hear our two guests talk about staffers in congressional offices that may have never been in a manufactured housing community, or talked with homeowners about what their concerns are and really what the benefits of resident ownership are as well. So we have two great guests talking about the Price Fund today, Stephen and Carol, and I can't wait to jump right in, Mike.
2: That's right. And we'll drop more information about the Price Fund in the show notes so you can get up to speed if you want to dig in and see what it's all about.
1: Great. Let's go.
2: First, let me tell you about Carol Hodgkins, who moved into Wardtown Mobile Home Cooperative in Freeport, Maine, about 23 years ago. Fast forward to 2015, the owner of the community wanted to sell, but only if the residents wanted to form a co-op and buy it. The seller contacted Rock USA, and with our help and the help of Cooperative Development Institute, they eventually formed a co-op and purchased the community. Carol didn't have much to do with it at that time, but her husband, Bill, sure did. She eventually started attending meetings, and when an at-large position opened up, she was appointed to fill the seat, and as they say, the rest is history. Carol is now the president of the co op and has served in some capacity for the last six years. Carol also attended the Rock Leadership Institute for years and ended up joining the Outreach and Education Committee when it was formed as part of the Rock Association. Today, she is co chair of the committee. Well, Mike, we have a very special guest with us today, somebody who has joined us
1: once before. In fact, Carol Hodgkins is the only guest on Ownership Matters to now appear on two different episodes. The first time as the co-chair of the Outreach and Education Committee at Rock Association, and now as one of many co-op leaders that have really been stepping up around public policy and specifically around some recent federal legislation. So, Carol, welcome to Ownership Matters. It's
2: terrific to have you again. Thank you. That's right. Do not adjust your dials. This is not a rerun. Excellent. But but Carol, for folks who may not have heard you the first time, could you just take a second and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background?
3: Sure. I am Carol Hodgkins. I live in the Wardtown Mobile Home Co op in Freeport, Maine. I am on the board. I started in 2000, I think it was 2017, as an at large. And have been appointed most of my offices except for president, which I now am, and I was duly elected. Congratulations. Thank you. I have lived in this park for approximately 23 years.
1: For listeners, Freeport, Maine, of course, is the hometown of L.L. Bean. Mike, do you mind us giving a commercial plug to L.L. Bean?
2: Not at all. I'm wearing one of their shirts right now.
1: Excellent. Good just don't want to violate any policies here. (laughs) So, Carol, let's jump right in on the public policy question. So, when did you start getting involved with public policy?
3: My husband, Bill, was on the policy and advocacy committee through Rock Association. And when he passed away last year, I kind of stepped into his shoes. So, it's only been about a year.
1: Yeah. And let me just take a moment and make a note of Bill's passing and what a tremendous individual Bill Hodgkins was. I had a real pleasure meeting both Bill and Carol at the Rock Leadership Institute over the years. And here's a guy that really stepped up on behalf of the community. I remember when he joined policy and advocacy committee, he would say of himself, Humble, like you, Carol said. I don't know anything about public policy, but I know what our community needs, and I'm here to learn and and uh, do whatever I can. And what a, what a sweet, sweet man. And Carol, I'm so sorry for your loss, and really, Thank all you. of our all of our
2: loss. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember the first time that I met Bill. We were at the traveling. Uh, we took the Rocky West, Rock Association on the road and we were up in Freeport in a you know rented hall trying to do a presentation. And there was Bill pulling out the spare wires and stuff to connect our computer to the presentation screen. He's like, Well, I got this. Well, hold on. I'll be right back. I'll go out to the car. I'll be right back. And bam, there we were.
3: Yep. That was him.
1: <laughs> that was him. <laughs> so, so cool. Well, tell us when did you first hear about the price fund?
3: I believe. I first heard about the Price Fund during an Outreach and Education Committee meeting. Mary O'Hara had spoken briefly about it.
1: Yeah, great. And of course, this is a piece of legislation that started in the Build Back Better bill, and bill was very active during that period. And it is the only housing program that survived Build Back Better and became a part of the omnibus bill that was passed in December of 2022. So really quite remarkable. Tell us from your vantage point, Carol, what you saw co-op leaders doing in Maine to really advance that piece of legislation.
3: We were all trying to get as much information out there as possible through local and statewide offices. So housing and urban development, however we could reach out, many of us did. And just for folks who
2: might not be quite as familiar, what kind of things were you doing? What did that involve, that outreach?
3: Letter writing, phone calls, pretty much letter writing was the biggest thing. So Carol, you worked
2: pretty closely with Pat Schwabler at CDI uh, on this campaign and on this effort. What was the work you were doing together?
3: She contacted me and asked me if our community would be willing to have a tour with some officials from Senator Collins' office, HUD, Housing and Urban Development.
1: So, of course, Senator Collins, the ranking member of the Senate Appropriations Committee, played a really important role in passing the price fund. I'm curious, you know, your interactions with her office. You mentioned that there was a tour of the community. Did you get a chance to talk with her staff?
3: We did. Eventually, they came to Freeport. We met for lunch. There were five members of our community that met with members from her office and, as I said, several other different committees. And after lunch, we came and they loaded up on a little minibus and arrived here in the pouring rain. And even though it was pouring out, we all walked around our community so that they could get a, a feel for the resident-owned community and our infrastructure and our needs and just our thoughts on what we could use if we had if money was no object. Interesting. And did
2: you find any particular Revelations that people had coming in, and, and after talking with residents, uh, homeowners walking away with a different picture of what a resident-owned community was, or why why it was different from what they anticipated.
3: I think the biggest thing they found was that the sense of community in a resident-owned community is so valid. In a lot of your single-owner parks, people don't know each other.
2: Oh, that's great. That's great. And I'm happy to say a message we hear at Rocks all over the country, too, that they're very similar, just how you put it. Hardly knew anybody, we came together, now we know everybody.
1: So I'm curious, did you follow the passage of the price fund closely?
3: I did. I had, I got letters and texts or emails and so i was pretty much aware of what was going on plus with pat schwebler as invested as she was she was another connection for me
1: right so what'd you do when you heard the news that uh the senate passed and then of course the the president signed the price the, the omnibus bill and the price initiative
3: well we were we were all very excited But it was just news that was very welcomed by everybody Mm -hmm. who, here in our park, who knew what was going on.
0: Are
1: there representatives or senators from, you know, your work with officials in Maine or throughout, throughout New England or beyond, Carol, that you would particularly call out in appreciation for their support of the Price Initiative?
3: I think the biggest one would be Senator Susan Collins. She did a lot to... Get this ball rolling and keep it rolling.
1: Great. Well, and of Honestly. course, that's that is a U.S. senator from your fine state of Maine, and uh, so uh, that's a, that's totally appropriate.
2: Carol, I have a question. Going back a little bit, now that you know what the experience was like hosting a tour like this and having you know officials from Senate offices and and other organizations come in, if you were to reach out to another community that was getting ready to host something like that what would now that you've done it and been through it what what would you tell them what 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 should they worry about what should they not worry about what worked well how do you, how do you do this the best way
3: i think the first thing i'd tell them is i was never a person like to be the center of attention and you kind of have to let that go and realize that No matter who you are, your voice needs to be heard and that these people who come in to take these tours really want your information and they want your honest opinions and they want to know what living in your resident-owned community means to you. Well said.
1: Oh my goodness. What a terrific answer.
3: Let's assume that everything
2: goes the way we want it, and then what happens? What's next?
3: I think that the next thing is to look for what other projects need to be accomplished, because I think by doing this, people will realize that everybody's serious, and we really love our communities, and we need to keep them alive because if the infrastructure falls apart or the community vision falls apart, then your community falls apart. So I guess my in the long run it would be to enhance the community and the infrastructure further.
1: Yeah. How do we really support resilient communities? And I think there's a couple of elements to that. You know, there's the social element to that, Carol, that you spoke so eloquently about, right? The communities that are connected with one another and where relationships exist, support each other. And in disasters or in day-to-day life, that's really critical to resilient communities. And physical infrastructure, absolutely essential, you know, uh, basic health and safety. And then also on the housing quality side, are homes properly set? Do they drain properly? Do they, are they energy efficient? And are we doing everything we can do at the community level as well to be energy efficient? So lots of different elements to that resiliency, but this is a big investment in resilient, secure communities. And we're just super excited about price. And of course, just so proud of the co-op leaders that stepped up to really drive this. So thank you for all you've done to make this a reality. More work to be done, but we're on a good path, Carol. So thank you. Yes,
3: we are. Thank you.
2: Next, we'll hear from Stephen Hamlin, who has been president of the board at North Avenue Co-op in Burlington, Vermont, for six years. It's a community where he has lived for 37 years. North Avenue is a 116-home community that became a rock in November of 2015. And as was the case for many communities, the homeowners there inherited an aging infrastructure system that had been band-aided for many years. Stephen is a father of five grown children and a grandfather to eight, his pride and joys. He's retired and works part-time, but devotes most of his time to the community. The message he tries to spread is to look out for and help your neighbors as everyone is in this journey together. Well, Mike, this is a back-to-back
1: interview today. Carol Hodgkins joined us from Freeport, Maine, and now we have Stephen Hamlin joining us from Burlington, Vermont. And Stephen, it is great to have you joining us on Ownership Matters. Thank you.
0: Great to be here.
1: Welcome. Welcome. So uh, let's kick things off, Stephen, and just have you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Fill in the background a little bit for us,
0: would you? I've lived in this community since 1986, so 37 years now. We formed a co-op in 2015 and purchased the place at the end of 2015. And I became president of the board in 2016. So I've been a president for six years now. I'll be seven pretty soon. We've seen a lot of changes that have happened over the years. When we purchased the place, it has a very aged system for everything.
1: How many years ago was North Avenue uh, Community built? Okay,
0: you're going to love these facts. 1939. No way. This place was farmland, and it started out with the owner allowing people to use it as a campground. So they had 15 campsites. Gotcha. And then over time they decided it would be a great thing to put in mobile homes for cheap living. We've grown to 116 homes and we're slated. We're allowed by law to have 119, but the three lots we have available right now are so small. We can't find homes to put in there that are narrow enough. So that's the history. They put in infrastructure. Of course they had to water and sewer. That was done probably in the sixties. Okay. And, uh, the electrical and the cable and the phone was all redone in the late 70s, but the water in the sewer is still from back in the 60s. And so we have several breaks that happen every year and we're waiting to do, we've been planning since we bought the place to have this, what we call the big dig, And it's going to cost us a lot of money to do this.
2: And certainly, the area has built up around you. North Avenue is one of the best situated residential communities that I've been to. There's a bus stop right outside, a grocery store across the street. Tell us a little bit about where you, where your community sits in the community
0: at large. Well, it's it's in the north end of Burlington. It is one of the bigger areas of home ownership in the city. The majority of the rest of the city, because of the colleges that we have here, are rental people. So out here is the largest selection of people that own their own home there's also a couple of affluent areas out here with very nice um 500 million dollar homes senator bernie sanders actually is one of our neighbors Ah. he lives around the corner and up the hill Um, (laughs) and a visitor right yes he is a visitor he came and saw us last summer he did a town hall meeting here in the park last summer
1: excellent so much fun and of course, uh, Burlington, for listeners around the country, is on beautiful Lake Champlain, and you're uh, not too far from the lake. I think there on North Avenue, we, we
0: actually have a beach across the street. So we have a shopping center right across the street, and then you walk through Letty Park, which is over there, and it gets you to the beach, Letty Beach. Outstanding.
1: Well, let's let's get into public policy, Stephen, because you have really put your put yourself into. Uh, public policy. And I'm curious, have you been in, involved in public policy efforts before launching into resident ownership and pushing for infrastructure?
0: No, I really have not. But okay. since I became the president, I attend a lot of uh, local government meetings to find out information that would help us here. And uh, I was asked to do something for Price and I jumped right in. And I guess I just kept on going. And how did news of Price get to you the first time? Do you remember, Stephen? Mary O'Hare. She sent out a a letter, an email to everybody asking for help to reach out to our uh, public officials to get this this approved. And so I wrote a letter to what's called BT Digger, which is an online news organization in Vermont. And I guess it was such a nice letter. It got the attention of, of Senator Leahy's staff. We ended up having a visit by... Senator Leahy's Vermont staff, and two people from Washington, D.C., on the Appropriations Committee. And they toured our, our community, and they actually, it actually happened two weeks after we had a major water break. So they were actually able to see – we took pictures of, of the hole and, and the way it was repaired, and they actually got the feel and handle the, the piece that actually failed. And they could see from looking at it, it was a brass fitting that failed. And you could see the wear mark where the water had been leaking out of this for a long time in order to wear grass down.
2: Wow. So you really had the, the total package for them when they arrived. The hands-on, the tour, the look, the feel. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> Love it.
1: Were you a little bit surprised, Stephen, as you stepped into a leadership role around Price that congressional offices, Senate offices, staff members from Washington, D.C. would come to your community
0: and interview you and learn from you i was very surprised probably the biggest surprise when they came here and they walked around our community you can see that they really didn't have a clue what these kind of communities were all about and if you were to drive out north avenue in burlington you really don't have a clue what size we are because we're hidden behind the homes that are on north avenue so it was really good to be able to show them what kind of a community we are we're low to moderate income and the the variance in homes from older to newer homes, and the problems that we do have in here and you know it affects everybody if we have to pay for this it affects us in our rents and most people are on fixed income that live in here
1: i think that's it's so true most people do not uh, know of the size of most manufactured home communities because they're private neighborhoods uh, with with one way in and one way out. You have no reason to go in unless you know somebody. And I've seen this, um, the look on people's faces when they drive into a, a resident-owned community and and become aware of just how big, uh, how much housing is packed into this neighborhood.
0: And so did you follow the bill through Congress? Yes, just before Christmas it passed, which was a great Christmas present for us all. I wasn't aware that when it passed that it was going to be a one-and-done thing. So Mary O'Hare has reached out to everybody and asked them to do their part to try and get it put on for every year in the budget. So let me move ahead just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So I wrote letters since Senator Leahy is no longer in Washington. His replacement is Senator Welch. So I sent a letter to Senator Welch. I sent a letter to Senator Sanders. And I sent one to our House Representative, Becca Ballant, who's brand new to Washington. So we got an answer back. There was a letter that was in support of putting Price on in the budget again. Senator Cortez Masto. And so he had a letter that we were trying to get everybody to sign on to. And I got a response from Senator Sanders' staff saying, that he's not gonna sign on to it because he's already recommending 350 million for the price instead of the 225 that was already there. And then yes, day before yesterday, I got a call from uh, Senator Welch's staff and they had gotten the email by the time it got passed around, it was a little too late, but they personally called Senator Cortez Masto and said they wanted to agree with this also. And while I had them on the phone, I offered an invitation to come and visit our co-op also. And they sounded very receptive and they said they would be checking their schedule and maybe we'd be able to show up later on this summer and take a tour of the place.
1: That is just terrific. And Stephen, let me just say on behalf of the more than 300 resident-owned communities in the network, uh, thank you for your leadership and for staying on it. Now, there are thousands of homeowners that will benefit from the work you're doing. And I should note volunteer work you're doing, but you have kept the the candle burning up there and, and keeping this front and center in, in front of uh, the U.S. Senate, as well as in front of uh, Congress, uh, you know, vitally important and and People listening to this podcast will know, but there are thousands of homeowners that will will never know of your role in it, but I hope you have a sense of pride. Wow. I talk about uh, thousands of homeowners across the country. You you also think of the more than 100 homeowners and families in the community and the the next 50 years of residents of North Avenue, a tremendous, tremendous impact on the local community and Really, affordable, secure housing that's now will be healthy and safe and resilient going forward. What a tremendous accomplishment for you and, and the other members up at North Avenue, Stephen. Congratulations!
0: Well, it, it, it couldn't be done without all the people from Rock also that have been pushing and pushing for everything. You know, going to going down to Washington and, and testifying in front of Congress and uh, all the others that are letter writing from across the country. So it is better together as a group effort.
1: If you didn't say it, I was going to Stephen. So you thank you. You I beat me to the, the punch. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exciting times ahead at North Avenue, and you've got a wonderful community there, Stephen. You've provided some great leadership over the years. Uh, so thank you for all you do, and uh, you're absolutely right. Better together. Let's let's keep let's keep rolling, huh?
0: Okay. Let's hear it from you too, Mike. Better together. Better together. There we go. It's <laughs> a great right. motto. It really is.
1: Oh, I, I I love our tagline. I think it says it all. Frankly, um, at the community level, uh, statewide, regionally, nationally, small fish need to swim together. Stephen, so let's 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 keep swimming. All right, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. I appreciate the offer.
2: Great. Thanks, Stephen. Well, that really was terrific, Paul. Don't you think? Oh,
1: my goodness, Mike. Uh, every time we have co op leaders join us on whatever topic, this one in particular, though, I just get so inspired. I mean, imagine what I call people like you and me, Mike, everyday people stepping up and just doing extraordinary things for their communities. And here are a couple of folks that stepped up and are doing things, not just for their communities, but for co ops from coast to coast, thousands of homeowners. It's just so, so incredibly inspiring.
2: And a couple of generations of folks perhaps not even living in these communities yet will benefit from the hard work and the dedication that too, as you say, ordinary people putting pen to paper and, and just advocating for themselves and their neighbors, it's really going to pay off dividends for years and decades to come.
1: It sure will. Super exciting. And thanks to our guests and thanks everybody for joining us uh, today on Ownership Matters. We really appreciate you joining us. And of course, if you have anything you'd like to share with us, Mike, how do people get in touch with Ownership Matters?
2: Uh, it's really easy. Just drop an email to at rockusa.org. That's o r g.
1: Thanks so much, everyone. See you soon.